morning, family. The Bible reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Thank you. It's great to be able to worship here on this first Sunday in 2021. It's good to be able to sing together. And perhaps some of you know people over in New South Wales and Victoria who aren't able to do that. It's easy to take for granted, isn't it, that we can sing together? Can you imagine what life would be like without music? without singing, without singing together. And of course, during last year, there was all sorts of ways in which people weren't able to sing together. But the usual creativity came in. Remember the number of groups who started preparing videos, doing it together. I wonder how many times you watched a version of The Blessing started in the US, but soon travelled all around the world in different versions, different languages, as people came together using the beauty of modern technology and be able to sing together, not to themselves, but to all who are watching. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. It's good to be able to get together and sing. Good to be able to gather here this morning. Elaine and I are reflecting that this month actually marks 20 years that we've been part of Cary. I don't know how many times we've sung, how many songs have been there, but music and songs are part of everyday life. They may simply entertain, but music tends to go a lot further than that. It can express our mood, can evoke feelings, thoughts. They can go further by their repetition. They can shape our attitudes, our hopes. They can express group identity, solidarity. Whether it be at one level like football songs, or whether it be at a national level such as the national anthem, and what it means to sing together, we are one and free. 
And think of me anyway of that song that was written by Bruce Woodley of the, the Seekers just over 30 years ago. We are one, but we are many. I am, you are, we are Australian. Yeah, that's a kind of song that does more than entertain. It's sort of as a way of expressing perhaps not just what we think we are, but what we hope we will be. Words that are set to music are more easily remembered. That's why we tend to remember songs more than any other words. But words can express pain, longing. They can lift spirits. They can provide for cries in times of difficulty and give hope. Perhaps one well-known expression of that is the spirituals that were sung by the slaves in the United States. Out of their slavery, they could express their hope in God and their yearning for freedom. Here's something for you to talk about after morning tea later. <clears throat> I wonder what songs, sacred or secular, have been particularly significant for you. Perhaps at some time in your life. Perhaps because they have helped you. Perhaps because they've given you hope. I don't know. But think of one song. And as you talk over morning tea, talk about it together. You know, I was going to ask you to do that now. But then I was reminded that with social distancing, we shouldn't be sort of moving around unless you're just in your family. It's also a characteristic of the Christian church, following its Jewish forebears, that the church has been a singing church. It's a characteristic of the Christian faith. And at the heart have been the God-given songs that flow from the life experiences of the people of Israel. We know it as the book of Psalms. For more than 2,000 years, 150 Psalms have been sources of faith and worship. They've shaped how the people of God see life and how they turn to God. Perhaps one of the weaknesses of the church in our present era is that we've, you know, in the, always happens with transitions in music, we don't quite have a way to sing the psalms together. But I think that will come. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a sample of these songs because the psalms are the way that God has given us to reflect on where we've come from, where we are, and how we look ahead to whatever is going to happen this year. And who dares to predict what 2021 is going to be like? We just hope it's not quite like 2020. But who knows? And, and how do we prepare for the unknown? What, what are our attitudes? What are our hopes, our feelings as we look ahead? Psalms vary in their emotions. Unlike perhaps the majority of our hymns, it's significant that almost half of the psalms 
are actually cries to God. Cries to God for help. Sometimes they're actually complaints to God. We sometimes call them laments, but they're more of a complaint. God, why aren't you doing something? God, what's happening to me doesn't fit in with what I believe about you. You have said you are going to, da, 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 but you're not. God, well, there's even one son that says, God, wake up. And of course, there's another son that said, God doesn't go to sleep. But that's what we can do in music. We can express these contradictory emotions. We can be honest to God. I mean, after all, we shouldn't be ashamed of telling God what we're actually thinking because he knows anyway. So why not say it out aloud? That's what the Psalms do. But of course, they're mixed in with the reason that that we can do that is because we have confidence in God, because we trust him. And so there are those many Psalms that deal with confidence and trust in God. And that's what we're looking at this morning. Psalm 146. And if you've got a Bible app on your phone, you may like to look at it. It's going to be on the screen as we work through it. But it's good to have it there in front of you as well. Let the words of this psalm sink into our hearts. And so we get the opening of verses 1 to 2. Praise the Lord. Yes, that quite correct translation of hallelujah. It's interesting, what's going on when we say that word? You know, the old English was praise ye the Lord. Because what the psalmist is doing is turning to everybody who's listening and saying, praise the Lord. Praise is always shared. We want other people to join us and we're saying, yes, I'm going to praise God. Join with me in praising the Lord. Uh, but just a moment, what's the next line say? Praise the Lord, my soul. You know, there are times when I do have to tell myself to praise God. It's no good telling others if you're not doing it yourself. And it's good in all of life, no matter what is happening, to turn to ourselves and to say, praise the Lord. To shift the focus that it's not just myself, it's not just the things I see around him, but the awareness that God is here. And then the psalm goes on to help us in how we do turn our thoughts to God. But the first is negative. It says, don't trust in human leaders. If we go to the next few verses. Got them there? Don't put your trust in princes. Turn from these alternatives of our hope for the future. How easy it is to look to human leaders to provide the hope for the future. We've got an election coming up this year in WA. And I think everybody is aware that there was an election last year in the United States. People put their hopes in their leaders. 
This is a person who's really going to fix things up for us. This is a person who's going to fight our battles. This is a person who's going to put things right. As long as it's the person we want who gets in. Of course human leadership is important. Irrespective of the human groupings. You know, whether it's at the national level, or whether it's the local football club, whether it's churches. But we can be disappointed in leaders. 2020, unfortunately, was marked by the failure of some significant Christian leaders in the US and the UK. What do we do when human leaders don't meet our expectations? Yes, we want to have expectations, but the scriptures constantly warn against relying on human leaders to put things right. To act as if our future depends on their success. The Bible is brutally honest and it's unusual in many ways because if you notice that every single leader in the Bible has some faults except of course Jesus Christ. Yes, we are reminded constantly in the scriptures as this psalm does or rather, we remind ourselves that as we look to the future, God alone is our hope. And that is a hope that will never fail. And who is this God? Well, we move on to verse 6. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. This is probably where most of us see God in a conscious way, whether it be down at the beach, or whether it be up at the top of a mountain, whether it be walking through the bush, enjoying a blaze of colour amongst flowers, looking at birds, looking up at the stars. In so many ways we see the majesty the glory of God. I wonder what your favourite ways are. You know, when you think of God, the maker of heavens and earth, I wonder what images come first of all into your mind. When Abraham questioned whether God would or even could keep his promise of a son for Abraham, God said to Abraham, Come outside, look up at the stars. And when Job was battling with God, trying to understand God's justice, God said to Job, look at the heavens. Look at the wild animals that are outside of your control and understanding. And God says, that's part of my world. In effect, saying to Job, Job, if I can handle the wild animals, I can handle you. You know, I, this verse just says that he's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and so forth. 
I wonder what you'd put next. If you're like me, you'd probably think again, as I've already been doing, think of aspects of the non-human world. Now look at the hymn, How Great Thou Art, which we're going to sing at, towards the end of our service. And many of you who know that song will probably be actually singing this to you yourself as I read the words. Now the tune will come into your mind. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Your power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. And yes, the hymn then does move on. It turns to the cross as they're seeing the greatness of God. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And the song doesn't end there because it moves on to Christ's return triumphantly. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Yes, that song will express us all these great reasons why we should bow in humble adoration and then proclaim, my God, how great thou art. But this psalm has done something more to me. I wonder whether we would do what the psalmist does. I wonder whether we would naturally, you know, in thinking about where do we see God, where do we see what God is like? I wonder if we would say what the psalmist now says. Look at the next verses. There's a whole batch there. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. Back in my last year of high school, my friend Ted Fackrell and myself had to do a lot of extra physics experiments. And one of those involved a phenomenon known as Newton's rings. Uh, it was sort of a phenomenon that occurs when you get a very shallow lens on a flat glass plane and a certain phenomenon appears. And we had to be looking at these through a microscope. And the teacher said, there you are, here's your equipment, now go and look at Newton's rings. And Ted and I looked for half an hour. And we couldn't find them. 
So we went to the teacher and said, uh, could you please help us? And the teacher then came, fixed up the microscope for us, looked at them and said, there they are. Oh, that's what they look like. And from then on, we had no trouble finding them. We had been looking in the wrong place. This morning, I asked Esther to read from the Gospel where John the Baptist was wondering whether Jesus really was the Messiah. And in effect, the reply of Jesus to John the Baptist was, you're looking in the wrong place. Because John the Baptist, who was then in prison, was naturally saying, when the Messiah comes, he's going to free us from the Roman rule. He's going to set us free from this tyranny of our puppet king, Herod Antipas. He's going to give us our freedom. But what does Jesus say? He says, you will see God at work in the things I am doing. Healing people with diseases. Giving sight to the blind. Enabling the lame to walk. Cleansing the outcast lepers. Preaching those who are poor and bowed down. God in Christ is at work putting things right in all areas of life with a particular focus on the weak and the powerless. We've recently celebrated Christmas, just in case you didn't know. Or you'd forgotten after all, it was so long ago, wasn't it? But we celebrated God with us. And who is God with? If, if it's God with us, how does God show us how he is with us in the birth of Jesus? Have you noticed God's priorities? All of the people associated with the birth of Christ were on the fringe of society. None would have made the Jerusalem rich list. The elderly, childless, Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary, an unmarried teenager in a country town, and Joseph, her tradesman betrothed, the shepherds, foreign wise men, the elderly Simeon and Anna, let alone the place where God chose to be born in Christ, let alone being a refugee fleeing off political tyrants and fleeing to Egypt. These are the people God chose to be with. This is what God is like. The words of the angel a fraught with revolutionary significance, which often we forget, but which awareness now of 
Roman writings and inscriptions have highlighted for us. It was Caesar Augustus who's described as being the son of God. An inscription found just be dated 9 BC in Turkey says how Augustus, Caesar Augustus, was sent by providence as a saviour to end war. The Pax Romana, the Roman peace, ensured safety of travel throughout the empire through the visible presence of the mighty Roman legions. Let it be said, Roman peace primarily benefited the citizens of Rome, maintaining their privileges. And throughout the centuries, military might has still seemed to be the thought to bring about and maintain peace. Do you notice how the angel's message takes up all of these words? Here we have the birth of the Son of God. Here we have one who is bringing peace it's interesting too that those same inscription that I've mentioned speaks about the birth of Augustus, the birthday of the God, was the beginning of his good messages, of his evangel. It wasn't the birth of a Caesar bringing military peace that was the good news. It was the birth of a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's what God is like. That's what God is saying. If I am with you, this is how I am with you. This is where you are to see me. Christ's reply to John the Baptist was unexpected. Yet it was consistent with themes that run throughout the Old Testament. But just a moment. Yes, we see Jesus did that. Yes. But that was 2,000 years ago. I mean, this is after all the year 2021 in the year of our Lord. Where do we see God today? In nature? Yes, but Jesus promised his spirit, God with us, God within us. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Where do we see God? Wherever, through his people, God still gives food to the hungry, sets prisoners free, gives sight to the blind, lifts up those who are bowed down because of life's circumstances. God, through his people, by his spirit, continues to watch over foreigners, to provide for children and widows, 
and to frustrate the ways of the wicked. Good news of deliverance and peace continues to be proclaimed. You know, that means that whenever we do any of these things, there is God. It's not just, in a sense, well, we are doing these things for God, but it's God with us doing these things. In acts of kindness and love and mercy, yes, and ways of frustrating the ways of the wicked. There is God. And that's what this psalm is saying to us. That's where we are to see God. It's natural that we see God when we look at the wonders of creation. But the amazing characteristic of God is that he is not simply out there, but by his spirit, he is also in here. In us. It's understandable that at certain times we say we feel the presence of God. But this psalm, I believe, helps us to say, just a moment, we should also be seeing God whenever we are involved in acts of kindness. Whenever we are inspired to love someone, to show mercy, to show care. There is God. Yes, think of those activities as we do individually, as we do as a church, as we do as God's people, as we go into the year. See God. And then we can do what this psalm does. And if we look at then again, back to verses 1 and 2, then we will indeed praise the Lord. We will praise him all of our life. Why? And the psalm concludes, because the Lord reigns forever. Uh, just a moment. The Lord reigns forever. What does it mean that the book of Psalms as we now have it came into its present form when the Jews for a couple of hundred years had been under Persian rule? To be followed by Greek rule. To be followed by Roman rule. What are they saying in the midst of this? Despite our weakness, despite our political weakness, the Lord reigns. That is our assurance. That is our hope. The Lord reigned in the life of Christ. The Lord reigned in the death and resurrection of Christ. The Lord reigned in 2020. And the Lord will continue to reign in 2021. Here is our hope. The words of this psalm have been sung for more than 2,000 years. And they continue to turn our eyes and hearts to seeing God in all areas of life. God is still at work putting things right in all of his creation, non-human and human. A foretaste of that coming renewal of creation. Indeed, 
praise the Lord. Well, as I said, it would be good if we could now all stand up and sing this psalm. Well, it's going to be a bit hard because we don't quite know what tune we would use. But I did find a sung version. If we could watch that now. Thank you. God is with us. We come now to a time of communion. And as we do so, to make sure that if anyone hasn't yet got their cup with the little wafer at the top, just put up your hand and Nicole and Chris will bring you one. 
you, you'll see the, the thin little cellophane bit at the top that just releases the little wafer. But as we come to this communion, we talk about God being with us. Now, what could be simpler, what could be more common, more every day, particularly for someone in the Middle East, than bread over here, Chris? All right. What, what, what could be more basic and everyday than bread and wine? Nothing complicated. Nothing special. Of course, in these COVID days, we've had to sort of had a little bit of technology to get it to where it is here. But God is at present in the simple things. And the act that we are about to do, I mean, what could be more basic, more every day, than eating and drinking? You know, sometimes we look for God in special places. But by the grace of God, God turns our attention to himself and what he has done in Christ in the most basic elements and actions of all something that all humans do there is God here in this rich symbolism Christ points to the bread and says this is my body he points to the cup saying this is my blood the just the bread and the wine perhaps the basics of life so the death presence of Christ brings life, forgiveness, reconciliation, restoring to wholeness. And as Jesus said, it's just a little foretaste, just like a little snack that's forecast for the banquet that's come. So here at the start of 2021, let us rejoice in what God has done. Let's rejoice in the way he has brought us together with all of our diversity. Now, Peter had to learn that God's heart was with Jew and Gentile without distinction. Paul had to challenge the rich, Christ, rich and status-driven Christians at Corinth that human status and symbols didn't matter. We're all one, brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the body. And so, let us eat first of all of the wafer. And as you do, think of the words of Christ as he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat it in memory of him. Then he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new relationship of promise in my blood, which is poured out for you. 
And without distinction, he says, drink of it, all of you. Christ our Lord you died not for our sins only but for the sins of the whole world we thank you that you have given us of your spirit God with us and by your grace as we have come to know the joy of relationship with you we have known your deliverance your peace so by your spirit Enable us to be your presence as we go about our day-to-day living. Bring your love and peace to others. For we ask this in through your name. Amen.